0: Welcome to podcast number four hundred eleven of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, my special guest is Corin Oki. She is the vice president of client experience at BreezeWay, and uh, formerly she worked for seven years at uh, FlipKey, uh, which is an OTA that was uh, acquired by TripAdvisor. And she's the she was the director of international accounts. So she has about thirteen years of experience in the short-term rental industry. And of course, that means she has a wealth of knowledge that she's going to share today with uh, with everyone. So, Corinne, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's uh, let's start with Flipkey because because um, I know Flipkey even existed before Airbnb existed, didn't
1: it? It did. Yeah, the team started Flipkey in 2006, so about three or four years before Airbnb sort of hit the hit the ground.
0: It's interesting, right? Because uh, they started earlier, but uh, you know, if you ask a hundred people now, what is what is Flipkey versus what's Airbnb? Then oh. probably not a lot of people know what Flipkey is, but they were trying pretty much doing the same thing as Airbnb.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting phenomenon because I, I remember when when Airbnb came into the market with the concept of a percentage of booking as the fee to list, um, and this uproar because at the time Flipkey. I uh, was actually charging on a per pay per lead monetary basis, so um, people were like a percentage of my booking. Uh, now nowadays, that's just totally the norm and and accepted. So uh, it was it's wild to look back and think, wow, we were actually doing this before Airbnb. But yeah, the brand recognition and and just the overarching sort of representation of an industry that Airbnb has even taken on is very interesting to see. You know, when you talk to someone, it's like, oh, well, I stayed at an Airbnb. And then you're like, actually, you know, you stayed at a vacation rental or a, or a, short ter- a short-term rental. when Airbnb is just a brand within that industry. So
0: and you, when you're saying pay per lead, like what does that mean exactly?
1: So at FlipKey, when you listed on the site, you would actually, people could inquire about your homes. And when they inquired, if it was an email or a phone call, you were paying a flat rate for each of those. So whether they booked or not, um, you were paying for that. One of the benefits of that, of course, was that uh, you had the contact information of the guest, you could remarket to them, um, perhaps they would book with you in the future, you could, you know, communicate with them directly. And it was just that flat kind of access rate. Right? Whereas then, of course, Airbnb is you're only getting charged for those confirmed bookings, mm-hmm. but it's certainly larger and and a as a percentage of the revenue.
0: Got it. Got it. So with Flipkey... You're paying for the lead, where every Airbnb keeps the lead, owns the lead until the booking is actually made, and the guest you know right. stays at your property, and then you can get the the contact information and all of that.
1: Right, of course, yeah. Uh, and it pay? was interesting because when we when we were doing that pay per lead model initially, there was a sort of a you know, well, I'm paying for these people that may or may not actually become guests. But still, I think when you look at the economics of it, uh, you know, if we were to look back then of how many of those people actually booked and had we been taking a percentage what that would have looked like versus the flat fee, and then as I said, the ability to remarket to them and whatnot, I think that it certainly was a probably more economical option for folks at that time. And and I don't know how many times I've had people say, "Man, I I wish that we were just paying per lead now and not on a you know on a percentage of booking." But um, you know, the industry has definitely evolved in that way.
0: Yeah, and I guess if you if you're paying per lead, that really incentivizes the host to improve their listing and improve their their marketing and communication and all of that because then it's like oh i got to convert as many leads as possible to keep my uh, cost down
1: exactly yeah and you know it was something that we worked with folks at the time on is how do you really make sure that your you know your property listing that is is being you know presented to these travelers is really representative of the property that you're offering them right like you know there were some beautiful homes that would have you know property names of like one two three four st, and we worked a lot with with folks to say, hey, you know, use those those adjectives and those descriptions that actually are going to draw people in to make them want to stay with them. So that was part of the service that we did offer was was making sure that folks were best represented in to be in front of travelers so that they could leverage and and really turn over those uh, inquiries that they were getting.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because, you know, what I see a lot on Airbnb is because it's free to list and you're not paying for, for anything until you actually get a booking. Uh, I see a lot of people that try Airbnb for the first time and they, they just create a listing. They don't really spend a lot of time on it. So it's not yeah. really converting. But if if they would have to pay for each person that would actually, you know, view the listing... If they would have to pay for a lead, then they would pay probably pay more attention to to really optimizing that listing.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And I also think that if you're if you're just throwing a um, you know, you're throwing a listing up on Airbnb and and maybe you put two or three pictures and you know what where it is, you have to think about who you're competing with, right? And you're competing with people who may have spent hours building their listing and making sure that everything is meticulously accurate and that the you know, all of the amenities are being, you know, presented to those potential travelers. And so, you know, a lot of times, and and this isn't relevant to just a flip key or an Airbnb, but a lot of times people will try some sort of a listing site and say, well, it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we really look at it and we say, well, okay, you know, how much inventory is in your market and how much, you know, how many other homes were you competing with? And, you know, did your, did your listing actually stack up? And, And was it, was it equal to what the consumer was looking at um, as alternative options? And, you know, where did your pricing fall into that? Like, there's a lot of factors at play. And I think that, you know, often it's like, well, it didn't work for me. And, um, you know, one of the things I always used to ask was like, well, did it not work for you or did you not work it for you? Right. Because just putting it up there doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be inundated with people who want to stay there um, if you don't put the, you know, the time and energy into making it work. So.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I I remember when I first started in 2012, a lot of my friends, they, you know, they saw how much money I was making with the listing and, uh, and they said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to put my house in Airbnb. And then they would like, uh, they would contact me a few weeks later and be like, well, Airbnb doesn't work in my market because I don't get any bookings. And then I would look at their listing and I'd be like, well, the way you built your listing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't book your listing either. Right, (laughs) right. They, they would just spend like 15 minutes, you know, put a couple photos photos and, and that's it.
1: It's wild too. I think, you know, when you're thinking about that and building out your listing, like I always encourage people, you know, run it past some of your friends, run it past some people that you don't know really well, that will give you a more honest feedback. Because I think that like, sometimes we're so in the weeds on things. That we think everything looks great, but other people come in with a fresh eye and, and, and as a consumer, right. Or as a, as a potential traveler, ask them to look at the other homes in, in your area and then look at your listing and, and then kind of get an honest opinion on, Hey, would you book this? Or, you know, what yeah. would you book about something else? So it's crazy though, because I think you're right. It's so easy to put the listing up there. It's everything that happens after the listing is up and you start to get the inquiries that makes this, yeah. this industry so challenging.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's the question I always ask my students as well, is when they when they tell me they don't get enough bookings, I always say the same thing. I'm like, all right, pretend you're a guest and you're staying in right. your own neighborhood. Go on Airbnb and which listing would you book? And if it's not right. yours, then ask yourself, well, why didn't you book yours? What's better about that other listing, right? And that's yeah. how you can start kind of, you know, peeling the onion and, and figuring out like, You know, what do I need to improve or what's the what's the real like drivers to to the decision that you're making on Airbnb? And that can uh, that can really clarify a lot of things, that process. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that lead photo is so important when you're making those listings, right? Like knowing where your market is and what people are coming there for. You know, a lot of people will put the interior shot, but if I'm going to a, a home in California and that has a, you know, in a nice warm, sunny area, I want that outdoor pool shot so I can envision myself there. And and that was always something that we talked a lot with about people was like really selecting the right lead photo because again, that has to compete in that, that list of, yeah. of other homes.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to uh to look at the search results too and see you know how your featured image looks compared to the other ones. Right. Right? Because if everybody has a picture of the pool, then you might want to put a different picture, right? Because then it, it stands out more.
1: So yeah, that's kind of
0: the first thing, like your listing can get booked if people don't look at your at your little snippet in the search results.
1: Right. They've got to click into the listing to book it.
0: <laughs> exactly. You gotta get yeah. it from there. Yeah, I always think uh I always think if you have if you have something that has like a super bright color, yeah, whatever it is, I always think that might be a good featured image just because your eyes are immediately going there. If there's like, everything is blue and green and trees and water. And then, then suddenly there's this like pink thing, right? It could just be like right. a pink thing or something, whatever, couch. No.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I just got back from a, a vacation, I told this past weekend. And there were, there were two shots, I think, when I was looking at, at that listing um, that really drew me to it. One of them was the outdoor pool area. And the other was the rooftop where you could see the sunset. And I think it's again putting your mind, yourself in the mindset of that prospective traveler to say what's gonna what could potentially entice them uh, mm. to want to stay here. And I think you totally, totally agree with you on how do you differentiate yourself, right? If everyone has a pool. Then, like you could still have a pool, but like make it a a cooler shot or a way that might differentiate it from from all the other pools in the in the list.
0: I want to go back to Flipkey for a second because one one question that comes to my mind is Flipkey started before Airbnb. What made Airbnb so successful versus versus flipkey what, what was the what the most important thing the difference between those two platforms?
1: You know, I think it's really. <sighs> I don't. I can't say. I can't say for certain. Uh, I think obviously, if if you could have said for certain, that may not have always been the case. But I think one thing that that was really different between sort of where Airbnb chose to initially focus versus like a site like what we did with FlipKey, which is FlipKey went with some of the more traditional vacation rental markets, and I think it was at a, a really big inflection point in the industry. You know, as you think back to you know, 20 years ago in travel, right? Many viewed the vacation rental industry as more of a cottage industry and it wasn't as sort of sophisticated as it is now. And so- um, when when we started Flipkey, we really started working with a lot of those traditional rental markets, the Outer Bankses, the Panhandles, the, you know, Breckenridge's, etc. And I think one thing that Airbnb did that was different was really focusing on a lot of the urban markets. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, when by doing that they were potentially, I guess, able to capture a little bit of a different traveler market as well, right? Because they they were able to find folks who were interested in going to those urban markets. And now if you look at Airbnb, it's certainly a much larger range of inventory that they have on their site. But I think that was probably the biggest thing that was different was that, they really chose to focus on that urban market, whereas Flipkey um, chose to really focus a little bit more on the same markets as like a VRBO or a, a home away were, were focused on, which was more of the traditional market. So I think that was that was probably it. And I also think that timing, right? Like. You know, when Airbnb came in, the the shift was just we were sort of right at that inflection point, um and Airbnb was able to really build a, a a very strong brand for themselves, right? that Airbnb brand that we talked about earlier. So um, I think those were probably two things that were a little different. and you know they they certainly got a, a bigger splash in like the media and and things like that. So I don't think it was that and I think they were just at different times, sort of with a different focus. You know, I'm sure if you talk to, you know, Jeremy, who, is the founder of Breezeway, but was also one of the founders of uh, Flipkey um, or Brian Chesky or, you know, Brian Sharples or whomever it may be. Um, they probably have a very different view on that. But that's, that's probably where I see, um, you know, what that biggest difference being.
0: Yeah, I think another factor, in my opinion, is probably the fact that two out of the three founders were focused on design. Like they were both. I think they studied industrial engineering or something. Mm They had a mind for design, right? And I remember when I first looked at Airbnb, because I looked at other sites too. And how Airbnb got me as a host was I looked at the site and I was like, "Oh, this looks like this looks really good and it's really user friendly." You know what I mean? Like if if back then and now websites look a lot better now, right? But like (laughs) in two thousand eight, if you look at some old websites and it's, there's a funny tool for that. I, I can't remember the, the name now, but there's a there's a website where you can uh, you can look at websites in the past. Oh really yeah and oh, so, that's
1: cool.
0: yeah, so you can look at Airbnb in 2008 and 2009 too, and I mean, if you look at it now, it you know it, it looks pretty bad, you know because we're so used to like having nice nicely designed websites but back then it was you know it it actually looked really good compared to compared to most other websites
1: right yeah no i that's definitely true and i also think that like them coming in and and it was just this new pheno- new phenomenon and I, I think we we saw a lot from some of the more traditional markets a lot of pushback on well, airbnb isn't the type of guest that i want right that that isn't Maybe that's not exactly what they would say they said now, but that was sort of the the influx. And um, I think a lot of people have come full circle to, you know, I think Airbnb attracted a more, a younger audience and as well of travelers. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of folks in those traditional markets sort of said like, well, our folks have been coming to the Outer Banks for 10 years and they're not going to Airbnb. Um, and so I think it was really, I think you're right. I think the design of it had a, a big part in once you got onto the site, wanting to use it.
0: Now, as a result, you look super professional. Your guests have a better experience as they don't have to read through endless paragraphs of text. Instead, they can go through a nice looking guidebook with lots of visuals. That means fewer questions for you, more time for you to focus on other areas of your hosting business. Sign up now at hostfully.com and use code PAD to get your first two months for free. That's hostfully.com, H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y, dot com code pad which is p a d awesome let's uh let's talk quickly about breezeway now of course uh jeremy's been on the podcast but for the listeners who don't know what breezeway is breezeway is actually one of the technology partners that we have in the legends x program um and it's been awesome working with you guys uh i love love the product uh a lot of our students love it and uh but yeah give us a quick uh, overview of what what, what is breezeway
1: yeah, of course. Well, firstly, we uh, we are so appreciative of, of being part of the LegendX program. So we um, we're psyched to have that that partnership with you guys. But um, for folks who aren't familiar with Breezeway. We are an operations and guest services platform. So essentially, our clients are using Breezeway to coordinate their housekeeping, their maintenance, their inspections, uh, to make sure that the home is ready, ready for that next guest. So um, that term ready for the next guest, right, can mean a lot of things. It can mean that it's been cleaned and it's well prepared. It also can mean that it's really functional. Um, and also that it's safe. Um, and that you know, a lot of folks have. Uh, have taken advantage of our short-term rental safety inspection course that my colleague Justin leads and really going through and making sure that the homes that they're renting to, to guests are, are actually ready for them and they create a safe environment. But yeah, we're working with a ton of folks uh, to help make sure that their operations are just streamlined. It's such a complex piece of the business. So in addition to our operations product, we also have a guest messaging product as well that allows our clients to communicate with their guests pre and post stay, as well as offer things like extensions on their stay or the ability to check out, you know, if a guest for a a guest to check out early and then communicate that to the housekeeper or whomever is scheduled to go in there to really take advantage on turnover days of that extra time.
0: Yeah and you know one one thing that i always think is really interesting is and we talked about this before we started recording is when you when you kind of look at the journey of a typical short rental host not not the traditional people that we that yep. we talked about but kind of the people who who started after airbnb came on the scene and you know it became like a hot topic and more and more people started hearing about it people generally they start with one unit right it's either their their own home it's either a room or maybe it's a vacation home that they have you know and they do they do everything themselves of course yeah. and you know and 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 they see the success they see the 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 potential and then they they talk to their friends about it and then then you know someone will say like hey i've got i've got a home can you like put that on airbnb for me as well because it seems like you know you're doing a good job at it and then you know people start organically adding some more units and now it turns into a full-time job and then most people will turn into the hectic what we call the hectic host where at some point it becomes too much you know to do everything operate from memory and do everything by yourself and then people start you know looking at okay how do i you know use technology to work more efficiently right use tools like breezeway and use like pricing algorithms and you know pms and then people start you know thinking about okay I need I need systems and I need to hire people in order to grow. So my question is at what point in that journey like at how many units mm-hmm. do you see that a tool like breezeway where you can manage your maintenance staff and your and your cleaners at what point become does it become really really essential you know to use technology like that to in order to scale your your business further?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a really good question. And I I think that we could argue that at one property, it can become necessary. Uh, And now I think, you know, if you live on property or you live down the street or around the corner, um, that's probably not the case, right? But if you live an hour away or you live five hours away or in a different state at one property, it could be necessary, you know, to have these tools. And I also think that, you know, it also is really dependent on what you plan to do because, You know, there are absolutely folks who say, I have this second home and I want to rent it and it's just going to be like a hobby, right? It's just going to be something that I'm doing. It's not my business, right? I have my my full-time job. And so for those folks, you know, with one property who live in the same town, sure, maybe they don't need to invest in, in a technology stack. But for people who say, okay, I have this home right now and I'm going to get started with this and I plan to grow you know, I think that there's an argument that that's where you want to you take the time, not only to get that rental up and running, but to make sure that you've got the right tools in place so that you can scale. Because inevitably you will get that person who says, hey, can you also manage my property? And it's not at that point that you want to say... Oh, I can't right now because I have to get all of my ducks in a row to make sure that I can do it successfully. Right. So I think that there is an argument that at one property, this can be really, this this can be very, very valuable for you. I also think that in some instances, again, if you do live right there and, and you are there, it may not be until you get to three or four homes where you really start to feel that pain. But again, I think it's, The idea. None of us would go into you know the idea of being a baker, right, without investing in the right you know tools or appliances to be able to help us successfully do that. And so I think that as you start to look at this, if it is something that you're planning to do and grow potentially grow, making those decisions early on will will really benefit you.
0: Yeah, I think I think you make a good point. You know, when I mean, if I would answer this question, from what I see, is. I think somewhere between 5 to 10 units, it becomes, and depending on your your markets, right? And depending if you live close and how, you know, how you set up your business, somewhere between 5 and 10, it becomes kind of crucial, it becomes essential. Right?
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, I see very few hosts who, who don't use the technology once they go above 10 units or, you know, there's exceptions, of course, but you know, it becomes really difficult to to manage. The amount of efficiency gains that you can get by using the tools once yeah. you're above 10, I think are insane, right? The, the, the efficiency gains like way, way outweigh the cost of the technology, but you make a good point where it's like, well, because the problem, what I see a lot is if you have 10 units and now you wanna implement all this technology, the challenge that you're having then is you don't really have time, number one, right? So you, you have time to because it takes time to implement these tools and to understand them. There's a learning curve, all of that. Absolutely. So, so yeah. So if you're like you said, if you're if you're planning to scale and to grow in the future, the best time to implement technology is really like as soon as possible, because now you if you have one or two units, you still have the time. You can, you know, you can do the research. You can, you can sign up for the tools and start learning about it, and then it's just much easier to implement when you don't have ten units and you're, you know, you don't have any time to focus on it. So, so yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, if you have that vision of of really wanting to grow, you you might as well just get it as soon as possible.
1: Well, and I, I think the other thing on that too, right, is that like if you have the tools when you start, you start on the right foot. Um, if you don't have the tools, a lot of times people are sort of forced to create these these workarounds or, oh, I do it this way. But like, I know that's not how I want to do it, but that's how I'm going to do it, because that's all I can do right now. And and I get right. There are costs associated with all of these tools. Right. They're not it's not like you can just add them and and then not have to you know offset those costs. But I think that, you know, understanding and setting up your best practices from the beginning are, are really crucial to that growth opportunity. And, and so it sounds silly to say like, oh, wait, two properties, you might, you might need these. But I think that like, you could go from two to five really quickly. And if you're trying to do all of these things in memory, things will inevitably get lost. And that's probably the biggest thing. And, you know, you nailed it. You you hit the nail on the head when you said the efficiency gains. It's also like the mistakes and the missed opportunities or the missteps that you can avoid by having technology
0: yeah for sure all right well before we wrap up this podcast i would love to know since you have 13 years of experience in the yeah. rental industry i think you work with hundreds of thousands of hosts from your perspective like what are the three things that successful hosts do especially specifically hosts who are who manage to scale their business to like 10, 20, 30 units? What are the free things that you see?
1: Uh, Well, I think we just touched on one of them, right? Which was the investment in technology and the investment to scale your business successfully. I think that's Really important. Again, if you if you have the one home and you want to you know you just want to keep your family home and and you're not planning to rent, really rent it out or do anything with that, like you don't you don't need to necessarily do that. But I think you know the first piece of advice that I would say is you know make sure that you're you're setting yourself up to be successful um, with the tools that you're using. You know, one of my favorite parts about the short term rental industry is the community that exists and the ability and willingness of people to be collaborative and helpful and share things that have worked or that have not not worked. So I think, um, you know, building a community and making sure that you're asking questions and that you're getting the a bit, the opportunity to learn from folks who have maybe walked in the path before you are, are is really, really important. So through the Legends X program, through conferences through you know facebook groups and and even just being involved on blogs and listening to podcasts like this right you're you're learning from other people even if you're not having direct one-on-one conversations but um i would definitely encourage folks to build a community because you're going to be able to share your challenges but also ch- share um your successes which i think are are more important and are what drive us um in this industry to continue to want to do it and excel within it. And then the last one I think is be present, right? If you live in a community that you're that you're, you know, that your rental property is in, it's really easy to understand what's going on. But there's a lot of regulation right now that we're seeing in the short-term space. Um, so keep apprised of what's going on. Make sure that you're a good neighbor. Make sure that You know, you've got all of your taxes and and everything in a row uh, to make sure that you're successful and, and there aren't any any issues, because I think that collectively as a as an industry, we have this really great voice and you want to be able to be a part of that and make sure that you're doing everything you can to make that property rentable and allowing for it to be rented in your particular destination.
0: Awesome. That's great advice. So to summarize, number one is make sure you really build that foundation. If you want to grow in the future, get your tools, your systems in place. Number two, be part of the community, learn from others. Don't try to figure everything out by yourself. And uh, number three, understand what's happening in the industry, right? When it comes to regulations, market trends, all that stuff. Great advice. Great advice. Awesome. So before we uh, jump off, if uh, people want to learn more about Breezeway, where should you go?
1: Uh, You can visit our website at breezeway.io. We have a ton of information there. There's a lot of case studies. There's also a lot of great content that our team has put together to help folks really be successful, whether they're utilizing Breezeway's tool or not. Um, So yeah, you can visit us at breezeway.io. You can also email vip at breezeway.io and we'll get you in touch with someone on our sales team
0: awesome well thank you so much Corin for being on the show it was a pleasure thank to have you me. yeah absolutely you. and I uh, look forward to uh, working more uh, with, with you guys in the future
1: absolutely thanks so much everyone
0: thanks for listening everybody and we'll be back with the next episode soon take care
1: get paid for your pet get paid for your pet get paid for your pet get for your get paid for your pet, yeah, paid
0: for your, pet, yeah, paid for your pet. If you have over 30 units, you have an annual revenue of over2 million dollars or you operate boutique hotels then the SCR Legend Mastermind is for you. You are not alone. We have a group of over 30 high-level entrepreneurs in our mastermind, and we get together on a weekly basis to discuss our biggest challenges and to learn and to grow together. Go to strlegends.com to find out more information and apply for the Legends Mastermind if you think you are a good fit.